Well, tonight uh, we had some spare time. We moved back our recording to 10.30 my time. So uh, Kim and I had some time after putting the kids to bed. And we attempted to watch on my iPad Pro, the uh, the large one. We were going to watch that movie, The Lighthouse. Now, What's the that? baby. The baby, uh, she is very much so attracted to anything we don't want her to be attracted to. <laughs> including including an iPad that is playing a movie. So we kind of abandoned it after a while. But I wanted to ask you two, this Lighthouse movie. Have you seen this? What am I what am I getting myself into? I've not seen that. I don't even know what it is. Like give give me the description. Like <laughs> Yeah, me neither. Uh, you're you're off with like, your own. Sh- okay. Should we have well, seen well, it? Is it really popular and we just it, missed it? I, I don't I don't know. It's it's like What's prominent. The genre? It, it's like prominent in Amazon Prime, right? And it's got like Willem Dafoe in it and like I keep seeing it. I'm always reminded of um, what's the name of that book? The uh, the Mad Professor in the Lighthouse or something. There's some book. I think they might have made a movie about it. That's oh, about like this movie is entirely in black and white. Is that right? I think so. Hundred percent. I'm not seeing it then. Now I can confirm. I have definitely yeah. watched this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it might also be entirely like uh, you know like ready for like Instagram because I think it's square is the way they shoot it. Although maybe not. But okay. So this is some kind yeah. of art house film. Is that what? You're, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. At? I think it's even from the A twenty four people. Remember, remember the, or you might remember, y'all might remember better. But there was some like movement in the late nineties or something where people were like, we're only going to use natural lighting. I think they were like, oh wow, Swedish you you you're like four strikes into this one for for me watching it with the spouse. Yeah. Now, <laughs> well, no, listen, okay. it is a psychological horror thriller, which I guess yeah. I'm actually I'm that okay. Intrigued, that, intrigued by that's that. That's fine for me. But that, uh, my, that doesn't my, pass the spousal fight. My sense is that it might be some sort of like underproduced art house. What was it? Shutterfly Island? What's the one with the yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. movie with uh, I, I, I don't Leo think it was Caprio? But... Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But this, this is my this is my broader question. Uh, now, we give a lot of recommendations of shows and things to watch, but I feel like it's a two part question. One of them is is broad like how can i more rapidly find things to watch across the four streaming services that i have right like like what is going on there and two like and i guess this is the other side of it is like i feel like i feel like i'm missing a system like i need some sort of systematic approach like like for example when i come across i mean i i still read rss feeds in in newsly and all this stuff, right? So I have a systematic way of going through news. And when I come across a book someone recommends, I usually go to Goodreads and I add it to like, you know, I would like to read. But I feel like I feel like I'm missing this this loop when it comes to TV because I'll sit down to watch TV and I'm like, I have no idea what to watch. Like I just I got I I, I need to find something and then I need a filter that is like the uh, the partner filter that's basically like. I want to weight my selection with the following input. I want to weight my selection based on A, compatibility with what my wife will want to watch. And that, I think, is maybe 60%. And then I want to weight it 40%, things I will not be embarrassed that I want to watch that my <laughs> wife would know about, right? That like, and, and, you know, so for example, I know she doesn't want to watch uh, Deep Space Nine. Like she doesn't, she's not interested, right? No. But some, but sometimes I come across a show and I'm like, oh, this might be interesting to watch. But then I think like, 
oh yeah, Kim's gonna be like, you like this? And so, you know, <laughs> that's not exactly how she would express it, but you know, it's an overall sort of like, I wanna make sure it's compatible and also like, doesn't embarrass me that, that I'm trying to make her watch this. Like she's totally fine if I watch it on my own, but it's sort of like, you know, it'd be like, it'd be like if you went to a party and you brought your spouse along and your spouse was like, you like these people? And just yeah. kind of played along. Yes. Like, you know, yes. just, just to, you know, they're these are your being friends. Nice. Well, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah unfortunately, yeah. Cote's alter ego of horror films. I, and... I was going to say, let me, uh, a couple of words of uh, advice here, Cote. One, I think you could go, um, the route I often go in my house, this will be dependent on your family, is uh, in my house, like, if we all agree as a family we're going to watch something, anything is good with me because approximately 20 minutes after it started, if it started any later than eight o'clock, everyone will fall asleep and then I'm awake and I can watch whatever I want. So that's like rule one. Rule one is that rule two is you just need to get another TV or iPad or whatever. So like if they're let people kind of watch their own thing, but I know sometimes you're trying to watch things as a family. So that's my, so if everyone wants to come together, I just know I'll start at eight o'clock. Everyone will fall asleep and then I can just do whatever I want. (laughs) So that's another uh, idea there. As far as the, how to like get recommendations don't really have anything to offer here other than just old school. I just have a note like for uh, like, you know, in, in my case, note taking, you could use your grid paper, I'm sure to, to do it better, but I just do the good uh, callback. Yeah. I, I could do the, uh, I just literally, when I listen to podcasts or anybody like recommend something, I try to just make a note of it, whether it's a, a podcast, a, a book, uh, a, a TV series or a movie, because I agree. Like, I mean, as many, um, and I feel like we're always getting them between Disney Plus, Netflix, all of the things. It's uh, very difficult to get something to look at all the various services and then pull together like what you want to see. Like, there's there's obviously no real uh, motivation for any one provider to do that. So it it just yeah, seems like yeah. you have to you have to walk into the room with your note, your your list, and then kind of look down the list and then decide. Oh, I'm going to give this one a shot. And then I just cross them off, which is very old school, okay. which is very boring. But I have found no better way myself. How, how about yourself, Matt Ray? How do you uh, how do you sort out this this major dilemma in my life? <laughs> well, when when it comes to like watching things with the entire family, oh. uh, I don't get a vote, right? I, I yeah. just like, hey, if you guys can sort that out, you know, I'll sit through stuff, uh, you know, and and. You know, like Brandon said, uh, everyone falling asleep. I'll just go to sleep because I know, you know, there <laughs> come come nine thirty, the rest of the family will, you know, go to bed, and then I can do whatever I want, you know, uh, after that. So, you know, I get a pre nap in. Um, but uh, when it comes to like the spouse uh, thing, you know, there are definitely some things I don't bother bringing up. Uh, your uh, your lighthouse touches several of them. Um, horror, just right out, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, if it has anything to do with uh, children uh, being tortured, that's usually out too. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> or or sure. kidnapped. Uh, that's always out. Um, science fiction is a hard line to, to, to walk. Uh, definitely no superheroes. Uh, you know, oh, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, um, so I like Watchmen, I, I watch by myself. Um, so maybe what you're pointing out, though, is there's actually like there is some strategy here because as, as you were saying, I was thinking like uh, in my relationship, like there are sort of like poles both of us know where we don't cross into. It's like oh, yeah. sci-fi yeah. horror kind of like complicated movie. Right. Um, you know, that is clearly, you know, something I like. I know my wife doesn't like. And but in fairness, like she actually knows she is really into period pieces. 
she knows I'm out. I'm out on all of them, all of the stuff. Oh, see, She'll even just volunteer. That, she's like, that's not for you. That this, yeah, the queen, all, all these different things. I've, I've never seen them. She knows. So like what, right away, there's actually some self-selecting. We don't even go to each other and ask about yeah, certain yeah, films. Yeah. So that just leaves us kind of in the big Venn circle of like drama, you know, comedy, kind of like a rom-com, but I like it to be a little bit fun, like more raunchy, I think, you know, less rom, more comedy. And I, but we can find some, some middle ground there. Yeah. I think any type of like dramatic kind of like uh, coming of age story, if it's well done or interesting, like I think we can find uh-huh. some common ground uh-huh. there. Uh, I think she'll edge up into the thriller, but it needs to be, you know, a little, it can't be too violent, right? It needs to kind of like, yeah, yeah. so like there's, and then I can kind of, like I said, I guess romance, if there's just something kind of different about it, interesting, I can get into that a little bit. So, so there is like a middle ground that we can kind of work on, but we do often self-select. This is back to the TV, two TVs. Like she'll just say, I'm going to go watch this. I think there's this new thing called Bridgeport <laughs> or Bridgerton. And like, yeah, 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 yeah. she doesn't, there's That's, no expectation. That, that doesn't sound like it's up your alley Yeah, no, no, there's no. not, we're at a point like, there's not even an expectation. She's like, I'm going to go watch this. And I'm like, oh, I totally get it. It's like me putting on the football game. She's like, okay, yeah, I'm leaving. Now. It's like, yeah. So, yeah, so you got to know, I, I, know I where think, your polls are. Okay. I, I think, I think, I don't know if there is an existent, like, you know, New Yorker or whatever article on this, but there, there, there is this phenomena of like calibrating on what your, your spouse, partner, whatever likes and doesn't like so that, you know, when it's okay for you just to like watch something without them, without even asking. Oh, absolutely. oh yeah. I think, yeah, that, I think that's a, a that's a valuable thing. I think that's something that most people in a relationship do, but but I don't. I don't think that's necessarily been analyzed enough. That sounds like a delightful article. <laughs> well, it's definitely each each uh, group, each couple, family needs to sort that out for themselves. It's true. It's yeah. definitely something that I would put in Instapaper and never read. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think we we just kind of nailed it. It's like, uh, yeah, I get that's a thing. I don't need to read about that. Hey everybody, it's me. Today's show is sponsored by Strong DM. Working from home, managing a gazillion SSH keys, database passwords, and Kubernetes certs? Meet Strong DM. Manage and audit access to servers, databases, and Kubernetes clusters, no matter where your employees are. With Strong DM, easily extend your identity provider to manage infrastructure access. Automate onboarding, offboarding, and moving people within roles with the click of a button. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi to manage access, you'll have more control and less hassle. Strong DM. Manage and audit remote access to infrastructure. Start your free 14-day trial at strongdm.com sdt, all uppercase. Again, that's strongdm.com sdt. No credit card required. And of course... We thank Strong DM for sponsoring our show. Matt, big news out of VMware this week. Pat Gelsinger has uh, decided to step down from VMware, which in itself is uh, probably an interesting story that we'll get to the bottom two uh, of at some point. But he has gone on to take on the challenge of rebuilding Intel. So my question to you is, if you were the CEO (laughs) of Intel... How would you go about fixing this uh, this problem, and where do you start in the turnaround? Uh-huh. Uh Well, I guess you know the first thing I do is make sure that I'm well compensated. That's what every CEO <laughs> seems to do. 
Oh, wait, wait. I didn't mean to say that part out loud. Um, before you go on, Matt, yeah, I just want to—I wanted to throw this out because you know we have a, an incredible uh, overlap of college football fans in technology of oh, three, oh, oh, as yes, the sports yes. channels shows about. So I think we should think of this as like Pat is like a—he's like a, a college coach leaving a job and being hired into a new one. So what you're talking about is first thing he does: huge contract, huge buyout, right? He has to—you have to get Absolutely. total control. Make you sure you're making a ton of money, no matter what happens, right? That's rule one. Well, well. You you, you got to convince both the the shareholders and the incoming recruits that you're there for the long haul. Absolutely, and right? you, and I think we you're, should talk here. We know he can do that because he spent roughly thirty years, right, at I think Intel before going to VMware. How old is this dude? I don't know. It was a long <laughs> time, so maybe you know. Don't we'll fact check that. But this is the equivalent of you know a college coach returning to the alma mater, right? Like I'm one yes. of you. I've been away. I've had success. You're in need. Yep. I'm coming home. You're going to pay me a ton of money, but I understand you Intel. I understand how to recruit to Intel. I understand right, how, to, right. how to make Intel great. So what's his plan? Okay. So he's, he's given his press conference. How's he going to turn around Intel? Uh, okay. So, so Jim Harbaugh returning to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that not that, a good example? That not a good one. Not a good example. <laughs> hey, he just got another extension. True, you know? but not as much um, money. True. <laughs> uh, right. So, so, you know, he comes in and he's got, he's got some serious problems in front of him. Um, Intel has, you know, they, they were famous for their, their TikTok uh, cycle of, you know, uh, faster chips and then better manufacturing, uh, you know, year after year. And they started missing that uh, over the last few years. And, you know, they missed out on, um, I guess, the, the seven nanometer process, uh, which is why, you know, TSMC and, and some of the other uh, chips have gotten faster, um, faster, faster, you know, uh, because they were able to go to, you know, smaller dyes and, and better Five nanometer you know. as, the, as the kids say. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. They're in there. So, uh-huh. so, so step yeah, the one, all- manufacturing. He's got to fix that, right? Is that where you start? Got to fix that. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's a big one because, um, you know, if you're behind, uh, you know, and, and your competition is pulling away. Uh, you're not gonna right. catch so up. We'll, that we'll, one. So we'll call this they, the good defense. Yeah. In our in our uh, in our press conference of uh, college football, he's like, "I want to play great defense." <laughs> that means what does that mean? We're gonna have great manufacturing and we're gonna execute right. well. Got it. All right, check. Oh, we know he's gonna fix and, that. And, and but so, but two, Matt. Yeah, no, I want to get out. to the heart as 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 me okay. the one asking the question today. I don't care about the defense. Defense doesn't sell tickets. I want to know what the offense. We're gonna have an attacking defense. What I want an yeah, I want an up tempo, uh, spread type offense that's gonna put points on the board. And in the case of Intel, that means like new chips. So how's he gonna yeah. fix that? How are we gonna get faster, cheaper chips that run at low power? That's what I want to know. That's what the fan base wants to know. Right. So uh, just like everyone else, you know, they say they they're against the uh, the no huddle offenses and they don't like these spread concepts. They're going to adopt them. They're going to reach out to TSMC and they're going to start outsourcing some of their manufacturing. You know, they're going to you know, they've lost the manufacturing edge. And so if you can't beat them, you join them. And, and that's exactly what Nick Saban did. Uh, you know, he just won himself a, a, another national championship and uh, leaned into the spread concepts and, you know, pretty much torched and much everybody. like Nick Saban, the thought that Intel would outsource manufacturing just five years ago, I think, would be unthinkable. Certainly 10 years ago. I mean, 10 years ago yeah. would have been like, are you You would have been kicked out of the building for even, you know, thinking about. Well, and, and I'm sure if, if, if we pull up, you know, press 
releases, you know, or, or uh, you know, the notes of the stockholders the last, you know, two years or three years or whatever, they talk about that being an advantage. The fact that they keep everything in house, they have this, you know, end to end, you know, from design to uh, deployment. But the reality is they weren't keeping up. And now they're like, you know, can't beat them. You join so, them. But is your first so, call so, for, for your alumni base and your, your boosters, isn't your oh, first no, call got to no. be, isn't your first call got to be to Microsoft and be like, guys, Hey, I don't know what's going on here. We had this Wintel monopoly going for a while. We've drifted apart. I just like, let's get it back going. Like I need some, I need a version of windows that's designed for these chips that does great things that only Intel yeah, can do. I, how do we, how do we I, get I, that uh, kickstarted again? I think that's gotta be one of I, your first calls. I think, I think Microsoft has moved ahead in that relationship, right? I mean, Microsoft's they've, they've got, they're all about Azure these days, right? right. And they don't really, customers and end users don't care if it's Intel or AMD. And increasingly they're trying to push this, you know, Microsoft is pushing Linux and an arm and, you know, and they're pushing, you know, windows on arm and, you know, they're, they're behind there. So if, if Intel has some sort of carrot for Microsoft about catching up with the Apple's M1 chip, maybe there's something there, right? Cause you know, it's, it's getting press, but I don't think it's getting enough press how dominant the Apple M1 chip is. You know, I'm, I'm seeing people are like, well, this thing's four times faster than, you know, the Intel lap, you know, the Mac Intel laptop I bought last year for twice as much. Yeah. You know, but I, I guess mean, that's just, the, it, the real it, question. And, and families. I was going to say, right? but this is kind of back to our up to M1. I don't know. It doesn't feel like there's an obvious answer. Like, I think before he took this job. Well, there the, isn't. There isn't. Well, but I do think this, the one thing about, you know, taking a job like this is like, I do think he is doing the perfect thing. Like VMware riding high, huge success. It's almost like coming off a national championship win. Like, I mean, what else can you do? VMware's done great. There's nothing but great. Uh, it's had a, such a great run. So I think he is coming to Intel at the right time. Pretty low expectations. People feel kind of beat up. Like people are even wondering if Intel is going to go. So there's just something about just writing the ship will be such a huge success for him that that will do well. But I do think, do you think he made them like, before I take this job, I want to see the product roadmap. This would be the equivalent of like, before I take this job, I want to look at the recruiting class. Like, do I have some winners inside of here? Because if I don't, because the way chips work, it's going to take what, two to five years, just cycles, right? Before the new stuff can get going, before you can say, I put in my system, I put in the new chips, it's going to take a while. So if it's not in the roadmap right now, we're talking a pretty long rebuild. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it's not, it's, we're talking like five years before we see something meaningful from his changes. So do you think he went through that? Do you think he checked out the roadmap and he's like, I, I, this next chip is going to kick that M1 chip uh, 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 in the benchmark, as they say? Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, actually, I don't think that that would be a blocker to taking it, right? No. Intel has been doing this for long enough that, you know, they have a roadmap. And, you know, what they're going to show you is, well, we have one. If it sucks, you know you have work to do. <laughs> if it's great, you know you have work to do, right? I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a gateway to taking the job. I, I think, um, you know, it, you you probably spend a lot of time looking at that and seeing what you can accelerate. Maybe, you know, you can partner closer with Microsoft to, to you know, juice, juice both organizations. Um, but, you know, they... They just, they just. I don't have know, but to, you're you're kind of making it sound like they don't. That he doesn't have the answers, right? That's that's the part I'm saying. It's like I, it's like we hired yeah, a big yeah, name. Yeah. This would be the equivalent of uh, Les Miles, right? You know, for the people that are completely lost <laughs> at this Kansas. point, Les Miles <laughs> was a former uh, uh, coach of LSU, won a national championship, 
was hired by a lesser college and, and, you know, promised to rebuild the team and they've not done well. So uh, that would be kind of, I guess that's our, our other potential outage is like, Hey, you hired a big name. He got the alumni excited, but he didn't have any answers. Like you don't have any answers. This is, this is Mac Brown back in North Carolina. Yeah. You think, all right. So he's he's turned the ship around and he's got people buying in They're You know, they're doing much better than before. And uh, you know, uh, people are excited about, you know, their, their football again. Um, and, and, and so, you know, they, they have a lot of things they've missed out on, you know, they've gotten out of a lot of, uh, some of the, the memory stuff they've tried hasn't worked out. Um, IOT mobile phone uh, uh, processor completely missed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there are definitely, uh, strong, strong headwinds as they say, you know, AMD is, uh, is killing it with their, their new chips. Um, on the x86 front and obviously uh arm uh continues to uh uh to accelerate uh, and pull away on s- in some fronts and now you know uh i think in the show notes we'll put a link to it uh a a cheap risk five uh yes. chipset is yeah. going to be available for consumers um from uh, the beagle board folks uh you know signed up for that one so you know there are there's a lot of uh competition out there so He's got his work cut out for him. I don't think right. this is an easy so job. As, before we but get off this, they got, deep, they got deep pockets. They do. Okay. Right. Before we, uh, we are Intel, as they like to say. Uh, so my question to this is like, okay, hey, I'm I'm giving you the option. I'm letting you can be the the head coach. I mean, the CEO of VMware, or you can be the CEO of Intel. Like I'm going to say, all the money's the same. Whatever money you want, either side. We got we got tons of money from each places. Which job do you take? You take the Intel job. Deal. All right. So you you're know. all in. You're on the Intel job. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's an obvious. I, mean, I don't think it's an obvious choice of Intel. I was like, I could see, you know, VMware. You know, you could sometimes staying with a winning program and just winning there. That's not. That's not always a, a bad idea. No, this is this. I mean, back to your college football analogy. You know, um, you know, you you you've got a good thing going at uh, you know not one of the premier brands, but you know when. Uh, the Texas head coaching opportunity comes up, even though you're the coach in waiting at, at uh, Alabama, you take it. You take it. You know, you, yeah. How long do you wait, right? You, you take your shot for the bigger time. Without a doubt. I do think, you know, there is something about Intel and all the way back to Andy Grove. There's just something about the legacy in, in, uh, of that company. So I do think that had to appeal to him. It's like, I want to go in, I want to turn around Intel, and I will be uh, an icon, an industry icon if he does so. And if he doesn't, well, I'm sure he made a lot of money. And he'll, uh, he'll move on. So, all right. Well, we wish uh, Pat the best of luck. Uh, as always, we're available, Matt and I, to just talk about chips anytime. So if he needs uh, some consulting and he wants uh, us to uh, introduce uh, <laughs> what he should do uh, on, on the risk architecture, I'm sure we can come to a fee that would uh, be very reasonable for us to offer him his services. But in other news this week, uh, Solar Winds. Oh, oh wait, oh wait, hey guys. Oh, hey I Coach. Talking, I was gonna was say, it, was it uh, you're talking about Ted Lasso or something? Yeah, I don't know. That, something, do you you wouldn't be interested. <laughs> it's something you know nothing about. So oh, uh, okay, okay. But, but I did want to briefly, you know, Coach. I know you've been doing a lot of DevSecOps uh, discussion here, and I, I thought we maybe we'd just start with a quick, you know, update on Solar Winds. So if you haven't read it, Solar Winds uh, hired a couple pretty high-priced uh, security experts that can come in and help them. What's more interesting is they did go through and write up a very detailed uh, analysis of how the, I guess, the build uh, cycle uh, or their build process was compromised. And it was, I actually thought it was a great read. I mean, it is very technical. So, I mean, this is, you need to really be interested in this, but 
I will say, I will net it out and say that essentially they were able to, during the build process, compromise the server and find a way that when certain things happened, they essentially inserted their uh, own source code that sort of kind of went undetected. So pretty sophisticated. I think, you know, compromising the server probably wasn't that hard, like once you get in there, but actually being able to do it and then actually, and they even did stuff like, um, sort of like knew when other things were happening and knew not to like, if you will, make changes there because that would raise kind of raise flags. So the people that inserted it in uh, into the build process, I thought my take on it, Matt, I'd love to hear your thoughts where it was, it was very sophisticated. It would have been really hard to detect. I mean, so I think once they get oh, yeah. inside the build server, if you have people that are like study your, your architecture so well, they can sneak stuff in really hard to, to figure that out. I don't, I don't think there's an easy way to do that. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like, you know, they did a couple of trial insertions and waited to see them, you know, get deployed out into the field before they came in with a more, you know, uh, skilled or, or more advanced attack. You know, they're just like, hey, if we inject this, what happens? Does it actually get deployed? And then, you know, a month later, they're, you know, they're like, it did. And, you know, now we have, you know, this, ah, this uh, package payload for, uh, you know, uh, the rest of the people out there, and I'm sure it's uh, it's going to continue to come out how bad it really was. But I think I think SolarWinds is doing the right thing. Uh, you're not going to get any trust back by you know uh, you know closing the barn door after the horses have all run out because um, you have to show that you actually understood what happened to you before people will ever trust you again. Mm. And and so uh, you know the. The high-profile, you know, people they're bringing in to, you know, do, you know, dissect them a- in public. It's, I think it's the right approach. Yeah, I we mean, should say that write-up was done by an external third party. I'm just trying to figure it out who did it. One of the you would all recognize the name if I find it in a second. But so, so, um, so let me uh, let me verify that I understood a few things you said. Two things. One, well, and comment. One, so basically, it was. I don't know if this is the term of art, if that's a term, but it was a. Uh, uh, a uh, build pipeline injection. Yeah. Like ba- basically their CI CD process, probably CI. I don't know if SolarWinds has a CD, maybe in their uh, Orion in the cloud or whatever, but I don't know. CD seems like a myth. Not a myth. We I'm sure they have that early, at some point. I'm sure they have like an early adopter access channel. Yeah. Did, did they, did and they so go, that is CD, right? Did they go over like, what do they use? Jenkins? Or like uh, they probably are a .NET shop or like a mixture. I think it was. Isn't that where the the Team City? Uh, yeah, that's where the Team City. And the, yeah, the the company okay. was uh, CrowdStrike wrote the the technical analysis of the. I uh, see. So so basically, so basically, the the hackers is that what we're calling them? The hackers figured out how to uh, uh, hook into their their build process into yep. their their continuous integration. And then what that means, of course, is that you can do whatever code signature. I mean, you once once you have that, you're done, right? Basically, right. But I think the one thing we it should go a little bit further. It's like they did it in such a way. It's not like oh, they just put some files up there and they were just kind of caught up and compiled in there. It was like they were watching the build process very specifically. Oh, sure. Yeah, and yeah. They were yeah. able like when certain things happen, it's like oh, don't use don't use that. Use this. And uh, that right, was the part right, that right. was like wow. Like, and 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 you know, so cool. so that is like so th- so okay. So then, too, just minor comment. Like, yeah, that is like I had a question completely unrelated to getting hacked by hackers. Uh, I don't know who else you'd get hacked by. Maybe those people in those thriller movies that y'all's wives don't want to watch get hacked by them. But uh, like, 
It does seem like what you do, yes, is you just have complete transparency about what's going on, which people don't always follow. So that's interesting. I'll have to go read up on that stuff because, you know, we in the software development infrastructure world are all into uh, we got fancy names for it. But your uh, your supply chain, your build process. So that I'm sure people will be talking about this for years. So that's good to look at now. Now, three, you know me. I like a good uh, linguistical, what does that mean word thing. I think I understand why people kept saying it was sophisticated. Like, you notice, like, right when this happened, the first, one of the first, is that an adjective? An adverb descri describes motion and a verb, right? An adjective is uh, describes a, a, an event, a noun. But everyone was like, oh, it was very sophisticated. Which, yeah. which I guess, I guess the opposite of sophisticated is like you know, Script Trump case. one two three four as a password or, or whatever, whatever that. What is it? What Ma is it? That, it was like MAGA twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. There, there was some Dutch. I love it that white hats call themselves researchers, but there <laughs> yeah. was there was some Dutch researcher who figured out yeah that it was MAGA one two three four or something. But so the sophist it'd be fun to like see some security talk about where that line of sophistication is and i bet it changes every year but so the sophistication is that basically i don't know if it would be real time but there was let's say probably a 24 like a 1 to 3 day window where the 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 hackers could actually monitor what was happening in the build and make decisions. So there was a bunch of remote controlling going on where they were controlling what would happen in the build on like, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's sub 24 hours, but that's probably overkill. Well, I, would just right? go, like, I think sophistication in this case would be, I think compromising the build server, not sophisticated. I think that's just, it, it happens, you know, even, even yeah, really yeah. well. So that part, I would say just kind of generic. I think where I think they, where the word sophisticated, I think is worthy is like, okay, they took a lot of time to figure out how to inject their specific, you know, exploit into SolarWinds. And, and not only do you have to understand that how SolarWinds, that Orion product work, but then you have to understand how the build process and then this in the Microsoft yeah. uh, uh, and all the processes work to actually get it in there in a way that wouldn't provoke detection. And that part I definitely think is worthy of sophistication. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe, I mean, I don't know if this is the line, but Matt, Matt Ray, you were chiming in on this a little bit. Maybe the line of sophistication is not that you're just automatically running a bunch of like, I don't know what the opposite, what the negative version of pin testing is, but you're just like, it's the equivalent of like walking down, uh, you know, a street and seeing if car doors are locked or not. Right. Like yeah, that's not sophisticated. Yeah. Whereas yeah. sophisticated is like, how would I engineer it so that someone forgets their keys at a party and calls a locksmith? Then I'm the locksmith. It's basically like a con movie. Right. Where you're, you're like, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more involved and you're doing things. And yeah. So yeah. You, you have a you have a strategy or a campaign or like a multi step process where you're actually. You know, you're Steve right. Martin in the Spanish prisoner or whatever. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the, the line for me for, you know, sophisticated is this was targeted. Um, you know, they might have gotten in with some undifferentiated attack. You know, I mean, the Team City thing might have been just a, a known vulnerability. Uh, but, you know, un unsophisticated is when somebody just goes and takes, you know, a big grab bag of known exploits and blasts them across a lot of things until they find something. Right. The line uh, clearly, you know, uh, sophistication is, you know, after they're in, what do they do? Yeah. You know, if, it, you know, unsophisticated might be, oh, well, we just put, you know, a rootkit on it and put it in our botnet. 
you know, and sophisticated is, well, we start observing their CICD and see how could we possibly inject some code. And then we, you know, deploy some canary versions of our, you know, of our exploit and wait for it to get deployed and see what else we could possibly do. You know, I mean, it's, it's clearly uh, very sophisticated and, um, you know, we'll find that it probably had uh, powerful backers behind it. And, you know, the rest of us probably, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, definitely enterprises out there need to be looking out for the bare minimums. You know, the, the, the people walking down the street, checking your doorknobs they're you know, that just might be part of the kit for a bigger play. And, and there's probably, you know, people always checking doorknobs to see what's open and what's not. And then, you know, they're like, they have a spreadsheet somewhere and they're like, Hey, here's a list of 30 organizations that we know that, you know, their front door is unlocked at night. And then they're like, huh, you know, you see company X is probably used by, I don't know, health and human services, and we can go grab their, you know, employment records or, you know. So, yeah, I, I think the unsophisticated is uh, the the funnel, if you will. Um, so into- so I, I, I think the line then, I mean, this is this is the dumb side of sophisticated is basically the wet bandits from uh, from home alone. Right. Like so the wet bandits, if you remember. The, the Joe Pesci shows up and he's pretending like a cop, just like seeing who's going to be away or not. And they're planning out who all the people are in the neighborhood that are going to be out of town. They're not just testing doorknobs. They're dressing up. They're staging things sure. out. Right. Sure. So so that's like what that that's like that just tips the scale of sophistication. Still not very sophisticated. Well, that, 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 that's your your spear fishing where they filled in the name of the company. <laughs> right. right, right. And, and And then it gets more from there. But that is. That is, uh, you know, it is. Solar Winds is a good target, not 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 as oh, a company, but because of what they do and because of their uh, market share, right? So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I mean to state the obvious, one has to ima- imagine that every other systems manager and company is like, hey, whatever you have in your backlog right now, let's put that in the ice box and let's uh, focus on others, like everything, yeah. <laughs> and. And go through and uh, check things out. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, another thing that you're making me think is like uh, assuming that uh, you know we still have a uh, uh, a country after noon Eastern time on on January twentieth. Uh, like, I would assume that the U.S. forces will be like, hey, maybe we should investigate people hacking into us and uh, yeah. in, into U.S. companies. And so maybe over the next year or two, it would be interesting to see if like the uh uh you know you don't have to read about like what the fbi and the rest of the the u.s intelligence apparatus has found about hackers as rumors from high-placed officials and like you know washington post and new york times articles if if it was a uh, an official thing because that that would be there's a lot of crazy stuff going on put that in your drudge <laughs> report so you know as you alluded to when we came out of the ted lasso talk uh uh, I've been reading up on DevSecOps because that seems to be a thing. And you know me, I, as we just discussed what sophisticated mean. My immediate way to la- latch onto a topic is to go overboard on analyzing the word, right? So the word of DevSecOps, two things that you can analyze about that. Why is it not Sec DevOps or DevOpsSec, right? Like why put it in the middle? I don't think... I don't think there's any linguistic reasoning for the positioning of Sec except that you don't want to, I mean, that's just where you put stuff in the I, middle. Although, I, I, I disagree. I, well, I, think it, I, I, I think it is. Well, because 
you're still supposed to do it all around the place. Now, maybe there is. Let's return to that, because that is, I could go either way on this. Now, now the other, the other thing, as, as long-term sufferers of, like, Cote Babel will know, is anytime there is a concept that has existed for a while, and suddenly people start talking about another concept related to it, in this case, my immediate reaction is like, oh, I didn't realize that DevOps wasn't secure this whole time. Right. <laughs> like, like, Oops. you know, which is to say, like, I'm pretty sure people wanted to pay attention to that. Now, you know, I'm I'm from the DevOps days, Austin scene. So you got uh, you got Wicket there. Right. Is that if, if I remember his his last name properly? Yeah. yeah. B- big old, big old, tall, friendly guy. And, uh, you know, he's been a wasp security guy forever. So I've always heard about that while I'm digesting some lovely breakfast tacos and wondering who's going to show up on the Jumbotron and, and all of that stuff. Now, so that's fine. But in reading through a lot of literature, and by that I mean analyst PDFs on DevSecOps, what I realized, uh, and I mean this in a good way, is that there's two things. One, uh, from what I know and from what I read, the entire uh security vendor world, I shouldn't say entire, the majority of the software vendor world is not automatable. Like it in no way can fit into an automated build chain or an automated production environment or all this automated stuff that DevOps people would want to do, let alone the crazy ephemeral up and down world of Kubernetes and serverless, right? So there's not enough APIs or enough automation points and it's a lot of like manual checking and sort of slow checking that you have to go through. And then of course, there's the old saw that developers suck and they don't know how to write code that's good, let alone secure, which is just sort of like, yeah, 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 get in fucking line, right? Like that's that's always a thing. And so those seem to be like the two driving things of DevSecOps, which is one, uh, like the software that you use should be as automatable is that is that a word as automation friendly as now release management and configuration management are nowadays right i mean this is the point that like the origin of devops was basically puppet and chef right and it was sort of like we should be able to automate all this bullshit right and that was your first two years of devops before it went all like culture and stuff like that uh <laughs> which to put it in a positive way chef puppet and uh salt and ansible and all those other people solve that problem very rapidly you just had to explain it to people make them feel comfortable boom devops 1.0 solved right um okay and and i think i think similarly right like you've got this issue with all the security vendors and everything where like they're not quite up to snuff on that and so you got to uh drag them along and then even after the vendors are up to speed you have to have that actually deployed into production and uh, done and taken care of so that it's all automated in there. And then, I don't know, there's like the OWASP top 10 that the developer should be aware of or something like that. And, you know, I think it's a little more sophisticated than that, but it did make me realize that my snarky reply of like, you know, they haven't been doing all of this stuff already. Like there is, uh, there's more work to do to make it comprehensively secure and uh, to fit things in there, which seems fine. So it does seem like, that seems like an okay phrase to use and thing to focus on. I don't know. I, you know, I have like a lot of mixed feelings about the whole phrase DevSecOps because my, my whole thing yeah, about yeah. it is that like, I believe, 
DevOps like grew out of like an up to your earlier comments. It grew out of a real need, organic need where people understood that if we're operating at scale, we need to spend a lot of time automating things that traditionally were kind of done by a different team operations. And we need to get closer to that understanding the process of development to do that. Right. And I think that sort of came out of, from a real place of solving real problems and that, you know, has really grown into like, you know, whatever the movement is now today. I think DevSecOps is, I think the problem is trying to answer is like, well, we did all of that, but we're still not secure. And then I think it just sounds good yeah, to yeah. say DevSecOps, but it's not been like an organic movement, right? It's not like the security people yes. are like, wow, we're really not being secure. And the the DevOps engineers and software developers also are feeling that same way. They've kind of come together organically and they're having conferences and they're talking about it. It's more like, no, the like there's this understanding that you're not secure, that you should work closer together. Somebody said DevSecOps, but no one's really like actually, you know what I mean? It's like a very forced relationship. And so, yeah, uh, and yep. then all the things that you talked about too, because like, I think you're coming from the pipeline perspective of it, which is good, which is all about code analysis and threat detection and, you know, compliance. But, um, you know, I just encourage everyone, if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to a podcast in, in this feed I did with uh, Squire Earl, where we talk a lot about security. That's all outside of this, like access management, identity management, oh, privilege really? user management. All of these things are probably more important to the security in your enterprise than any of the, like, let me make sure that I'm doing some code scanning inside the, the pipeline. I mean, that's important, but if you haven't done that other stuff first and you don't care about your identity and access management and you're not in there and your cloud provider, like really understanding the IAM roles, it's like all this other stuff's not going to matter. Like no one's going to have to like, no one's going to compromise you by getting into your source code. They're going to compromise you on the simple things. So that to me is the, the reason that like whatever this new movement is, like how do you make everyone care about that stuff? Um, I don't, you know, you can maybe say it's called DevSecOps, but not really. It's more like something else has to happen where people are like, you know, and maybe like the, the issues we're talking about SolarWinds are the things that happen. It's like, hey, when companies have so many big problems, it's going to force these groups to talk together and a real organic movement of change will happen and hopefully comes up with its own name, its own processes, its own way of viewing the world. Um, I think that's what needs to happen before you're going to see real change in this area. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree. And, and like, you know, I guess, I guess I would just, in, in the same way that DevOps is this, it, like, like the, it, any discussion I have about DevOps nowadays, either, either someone's asked me to come show up and just monologue and there's not going to be a lot of like back and forth, or the first thing I always want to do is, is be like, what do you mean by that word? <laughs> right. Cause it, it means all sorts. It can mean everything. Like literally it can just mean like everything, like the, the way that we do everything, or it can mean something very specific. And I think that is like, like to comment on a little bit of what you're saying is there is this need to have security be just like a normal feature of everything that you do, which is always difficult. Right. Not least of which because like the security software always has a terrible user experience. Like, you know, we have to use this RSA 2FA thing and it only works on one device. And it's just like everyone else in the world uses Authy. I don't know, man. Right. Like, <laughs> so, you know, you've got all that that stuff going on uh, and VPNs and whatever. So there there is like this consumer issue. But like the other thing is it's it's one of the one of the things I think industry-wide that's easy to dismiss because it is 
rhetorical in, in the sense that rhetoric is the art of no matter what the truth of a matter is, you convince some someone of an idea. It could be true or not. Like that's kind of the basis of rhetoric. Like you do need some rhetorical device like DevOps was to sort of like focus people on changing, right? And whatever whatever the word you try you try to use is like every we're always trying to come up with these phrases and like more so than the 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 phrase itself. Like I think now as you just went over, like I understand that there's this like uh, this issue that needs to be solved, and uh, I don't know. That's just a label to apply at the moment. But that's all. That was that's just my uh, my notebook on reading a bunch of PDFs. <laughs> no, I think you're right. And I do think, you know, you can say, hey, in lieu of nothing, right, it's good someone says DevSecOps is like an acknowledgement of like, hey, like there is a big area here we're not integrating in in a way that's meaningful to the company. It's probably just the beginning though, right? It's like, I, I would yeah. almost compared it to iterative development was predated agile, right? You know, an iterative development was yeah. like, yeah, it was yeah. kind of like, it wasn't really the same as Agile, but it was like, oh, I think there's a problem here. And then you know, Agile kind of came out with like a more full, fully f thought out process. And I think DevOps has done that. And I think, and, and so to be more positive about it is like DevSecOps is the seed, right? But it needs to grow into like something itself, right? And it's, I don't yeah, know it's what it would be. Yeah, it's going to anchor the future conversations and, you know, no one's going to say, oh, I forgot about security. Because that's, that's the problem. You know, it has to be part of everything you do. Or you don't want to, you know, or you're going to be the next solar winds. Yeah. And I think you hit on it, Kote. Like, I mean, what you said there is the kind of thing that people don't understand. You you kind of went over, you know, what was, you know, refer, referred to as access management. You said, like, it's hard. I only have this one, you know, tool and this only, it's really difficult. And it's like people, like, taking that to heart, right? A CISO or a company saying, in order for us to have great security, like, we have to have a great authentication experience into our company, right? You only need to have one username and one password. I've given you a password manager to to uh, manage that. I've paid for that license. I've given you a password manager that works on multiple platforms. I've given you a 2FA that is very convenient for you. And I've given it to you multiple ways, whether it be a code or a send you an SMS message or you know any of the other ways. And it's like that needs to be so simple that what you just said there, you're like, oh, it's so easy to authenticate here that I don't even think about it, right? But what happens? Like all the companies like, I have, I live in the same world. Like we have, I have multiple passwords and different VPNs and where I got to go and it gets complicated. And it's like, until people get that into this, like that's risk. That is risk. The risk is let's take that out. And we do that by having a great authentication experience that's going to cost money, but it's going to make us more secure. But people do not, definitely do not think that way today. Yeah. And, 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 uh, uh, playing off of that, right? Like, like, um, the first couple of years, I don't know if this is true, but it's the way that the the how do you say it? Hagiography. Uh, I, I can never pronounce. I can't pronounce Greek very well. But anyways, the uh, you know, my memory of the history of DevOps is we spent several years talking about configuration and release management, which is totally cool. That was something that, like, you know, developers didn't know anything about. And it was like this weird area that wasn't not much going on there. <laughs> Trust me, I still find those places. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and I think I think similarly, like, I mean, I don't know if this is a thing, but I think it's like high up on the charts of possibilities, as you're saying, Brandon, that just talking about uh, identity management. Access and authorization, man. Never mind authorization. Let's just start with like identity, like just authentic. 
I always get them mixed up. You access gotta, management. Just, Let's just make talk about access management. Yeah, no, no, right? no. Yeah. But but even even more simple, just authentication. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about authentication. Never mind what you can do. Like probably having the same type of in-depth conversation that we had about configuration and release management way back when would be very helpful. Just to as as you were going over, explain like what's the deal with this, right? Like and why is it important and how do you manage it? And what are the what are the bad parts and the good parts and how do you how do you architect if you're thinking, you know, going off the solo wind stuff, if you're thinking of building a build pipeline that is going to allow developers within 10 minutes to deploy to production, what kind of authentication do you need to think about? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. And, right. And, th- and then we could layer in maybe in month 13, we can layer in authentication. And then I don't know, maybe maybe once enough vendors get there to make money, we can do like audit and logging and RBAC and we can just go to town. Yep. Right. Like, and, and, uh, so I, you know, that would probably be very helpful for the developer world as a whole to get involved. In. And I think, I think the other thing to close out on it, that as I was reading through the DevOps, the way, so I almost did it, the DevSecOps literature is, and I was remembering this from the, uh, part of it's right in the name. Part of the DevOps world is that the ops people had to be like programming, what if I could program infrastructure? I think we even had a few phrases that were like programmable infrastructure, or infrastructure as code. And I, I don't know anything about security people, but my impression from my research is security people would never use the phrase security as code. Like they don't have it in their head, just like the yeah. ITEL people didn't used to have. Uh, right. That like we could code this, right? Like well, we could add an API to this and like, it, we could follow, we could check something into version control, right? And so yeah. like, there's almost these both, that, that's a bad phrase. There's there's two parties that could benefit each other if they kind of uh, took a little bit of what each of them valued and what they did and kind of integrated into their, their processes. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave a fair number of, you know, compliance as code talks, uh, talking about things like inspec. And there were just so many times security people were like, you know, afterwards would come up to me and like, I've never thought of it like that. I'm like, seriously, still? <laughs> and I, yeah, and I still- and That's right. So and that's much. where we are, right? Yeah. That's why this DevSecOps that's, is that's just the, the acknowledgement yeah. that we should, it's almost like a placeholder for future conversations that we all hope and pray actually happen yeah. sometime. Exactly. And and that is exactly and so so uh, to wrap this topic up, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Is like, uh, from what I can tell, I see the buzzwords everywhere popping up. So I wanted to just sort of like open up that as like you know, Cote's quandaries, like things I'm curious about and and want to uh, diagnose over. I'm going to put this in the software defined talk, uh, FY 2022, which I think starts on. Um, January 27th. I think that's what our, our, our yeah, FYE year yeah, starts Yeah, that's definitely on, right? a physical year. Sure. Yeah, so, so, so Software Defined Talk FY22, uh, which is CY2021, uh, shifted <laughs> by 27 days, if, if, you wanna, if you're keeping track at home. Um, we can make a pivot table for that, if, if you're curious. <laughs> if you need it. Uh, anyways. Uh, I think that's a topic that'll be fun to uh, figure out and discuss yes. over the next year. Little little K- KPI MBO um, OKR. I, well, I don't we'll, remember. We'll discuss it in the you know we'll have a retrospective in the 2023 SKO. 
That's right. FY 2024. Wait, I've lost track. Okay. Yeah. Ongoing process. That's right. Uh, Well, before we get to recommendations, Brandon, do we have any bureaucracy to take care of? We do. Uh, I want to uh, thank uh, Dave from Denver for writing in. I sent him some stickers, and I also sent some stickers to uh, uh, Gabrielle in uh, Puerto Rico. So uh, happy to do that. Uh, If you would like some stickers, just send me your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. Also, want to let everyone know, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just the beginning of a new year. Lots of people have posted jobs in the job channel of Slack. So here's the ones that I uh, pulled out here. Jordy wants you to work at uh, Tricentis. They have a bunch of jobs. So I've left the link in here, and you should just go click on it and probably find a job there. Uh, our friend uh, Michael from way down there where Matt Matt lives and works, uh, he wants you to become a solution architect at CloudBeast. Um, and you can work in... Um, and then Cote, I thought I thought of you because the job posting says here are the locations: remote Ontario, comma Canada, comma Florida, or comma West Coast U.S. So when I read this for the first time, I was like, "Wow! Like you actually have to be in remote Ontario. Like if you're in a city in Ontario, you wouldn't be qualified." <laughs> and I think what it was was uh, they just missed a comma. I was like, "Oh yeah. my gosh! Like why would like? Could you imagine like interviewing? You're like, but I want the job. I was like, well, your your city's too big. Like you're in Ontario, but like you're in a major metropolitan area. We can't we can't have you. So I'm gonna make the uh, I believe what they meant was remote comma Ontario comma. So yeah. So don't be confused if you're if you're. It don't work. Listen, if you want to to, I would just apply. This is why I tell everyone: it doesn't matter where you live, just apply if you want the job. Uh, so well, that was uh, those are our that, friends at Cloudbees. That, that's good because I, I hopefully if you're working in remote Ontario, there is a uh, diesel cost of living uh, like sort of like <laughs> subsidy that you have. Like just warm thing, like ship yeah. you a heater or something, just extra extra. Uh, yeah, uh, just just for your generators right, in case well, you need those. Well, I don't yeah, know. Nice. Maybe you are. Maybe you are actually in remote Ontario looking for a job. If not, if so, or, or looks Florida. like we found we found <laughs> yeah, the job for exactly. you, my friends. <laughs> exactly. I love that. You know, all the you know, also Florida. Like, <laughs> I just love. I love this entire everything about this solution architect position was just, was just perfect. So hopefully yeah. someone will apply for it. Uh, Dominic yeah. uh, from MongoDB, uh, he is looking for uh, some top notch writers who can make enterprise B two B not horribly boring. I don't know, tough mm-hmm. tough ask. So uh, yeah. if you want more detail about these jobs, uh, some of the links will be in the show notes. But your best idea would just be go to the software defined talk Slack. Uh, we have a job. Uh, creatively titled jobs or a channel titled jobs. And you can just go in there and you can probably just uh, DM these people and they'll tell you more about each one of the jobs. So, so check all those out. I don't know why there was a bunch in there. Like I said, new year hiring. So if you're looking for a job, get in there, find a job. Yes. I I had a recruiter reach out to me and ask if I wanted to be the CISO for a $20 billion company. Uh, And I told them, no, I'm not willing to relocate to Singapore. So, (laughs) so if you are looking for that opportunity, uh, hit me up and I'll I'll put you in contact with uh, my recruiter. friend. (laughs) Interesting. Well, also there is, uh, as we mentioned last week, the there's DevOps days, Texas, uh when does the, it's it's on march 2nd but the call for papers expires soonish i don't yeah. know when. when it uh at the end of the month january 31st but y'all uh i guess appropriately y'all should apply for that like that is the uh the nice thing of remote land is you can speak at any conference without having to travel 
maybe it's the bad thing if you like getting out of the house, but whatever. Uh, you should uh, you should try to speak there. It's a it's a it's a good set of people. That's a good community there. Also, just announced uh, is uh, we're having our our Spring One Platform Conference uh, September first and second, I believe. I don't know if we have the CFP open yet, but you know I'm involved in at least one of the tracks of selecting talks. So I think if you're listening to this, there is a high likelihood that you have something interesting to talk about. You should, I think the call for paper opens up on February 16th, but you should. You get, uh, you get Cote's attention if you include the word hagiography in your, in your exactly. talk. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it, that's September's a long way in the future, but uh, it's, it's a good event. And uh, if you're thinking of places to apply to, put it in your OmniFocus or your, your whatever to check it out uh, in February and apply for it. Like, I'm very interested in the tracks that I do in stories about obviously the stuff I care about, like executives and management, or even, uh, I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm doing air quotes, low level people who are uh, changing what their culture is, the way they work, their process, even bad stories would be good. And then, you know, just whatever, just people who are doing interesting stuff, but have a uh, entertaining speaking style of uh, doing things. So with that, uh, you know, if you want to join our Slack channel, as mentioned, you should go to softwaredefinedtalk.com. Uh, as Brandon will tell you, if you want stickers, you can email your mailing address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. We have yet to develop the proper ML technology to derive your mailing address, so you must send it. And uh, we'll send some stickers to you, uh, which is great. So, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Well, uh, you know, looping back to uh, our conversation earlier, I'm going to recommend uh, Apple TV's Ted Lasso show. Um, I know Brandon's probably recommended it previously. Finished it up last week, and uh, afterwards the wife said, that was better than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> so she had reservations, you know, seeing how it's a sports. Uh, the, the main character is a, a uh, soccer slash football coach. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, enjoyed it qu quite a bit. Uh, you know, good, good comedy series. Yourself, Brandon? Well, funny enough, I have not recommended Ted Lasso. I've seen one episode, and actually my wife and I, back to the beginning of the program, like we were looking for something to watch. I was like, hey, I hear this is really funny. We both watched one episode, and I was like, yeah, okay. Like I didn't immediately love it, 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 but I, it, I feel it like I need better. to push yeah. through. Is that what I need to do? Yeah. All yes. right. I, I need to, all right, because I did, um, yes. I thought it was okay, but I, I've been recommended so much. Yeah. I was, had high expectations. All right, so maybe my... Uh, my wife and I will give that a later a shot later this week. Uh, and now uh, for something you should probably not watch with your significant other, or you should fully qualify if they are. This is uh, from the horror sci-fi uh, genre. It's Possessor. It's a pretty disturbing movie. I, I don't even – I mean, it is kind of one of these movies. It's, I'm, I'm wondering why I liked it, but it stayed with me for like a week after watching it. It's, so it's very violent. Uh, the premise, I think, is very interesting. Uh, it's, it's not always maybe entertaining, but I just find it kind of thought provoking. So if you're into kind of these very dark movies and again, lots of qualifications here, like make sure you're into this before you start it, uh, check it out. I think it was really interesting if it's, but, but if you're, if you're squeamish or it's not, this is not your kind of thing, definitely stay away from it. So possessor, if you're the kind of person that likes it, check it out. Hmm. I'm going to have to look at that. So I have, I have, uh, uh, three recommendations two of them are, are are just passing things so there's this uh i don't know it's a weird thing it's like a podcast like 
what are the what are the video people called nowadays? Vidcast, vlogger. It's like it's like a podcast video thing called the script, and uh, it's a service you sign up for. It makes a transcript, and you can also edit your thing based on the transcript. And I've been messing around with it. It's pretty good so far. So if you're if you do any sort of like audio or video stuff, it's worth messing around with. Similar, uh, you know me. I'm always switching around to note taking stuff. I've been using finally like the uh, the Bear app to do note taking, and I think it's sufficient. I think it works. I think if you pair it up with Good Notes, so I can have my graph paper, you can do your handwriting, and then it's not overkill like Devin think, and it's not a moribund, wonderful, beautiful thing like Evernote, which is just sort of like a uh, really attractive rotting corpse. And it's also not the weird thing of Ulysses. So I think maybe Bear and and GoodNote works out well. So, but then the other recommendation I wanted to have is I caught myself doing this earlier this week. We got uh, uh, the homeschooling, which I know means something much different in the U.S., but I don't know what to call it. Distance learning sounds stupid, but, you know, our kids are having school at home. And uh, so I'm taking care of the baby while my other two kids do things. And I realized that what I have to do is if you are going to take care of the baby until the homeschooling is done, you can't pretend that you're going to get some work done in the interstitial times, right? So the baby might sleep, the baby might be doing this, but you can't take that 10 minutes of time to like start doing some work because something is going to happen and you're going to have to stop doing that work. And it's going to be really irritating and make you upset. I should say me upset for like the rest of the day. So just like don't start don't start new projects. You got to follow the old XP principle or the scrum principle that within your sprint of taking care of the baby until three o'clock, you can not enter new stories. Right. Just do that. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to screw your mind up and things aren't going to go well. Just just block it off. Block it off. Uh, so with that, this has been another episode of Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 281. There's all sorts of links that we didn't cover here and links that we did. And as always, uh, I don't know. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, speaking of DevSecOps, what's going on over there? Uh, that looks pretty good. Uh, anyhow... Actually, you know, that's clipped out of the Twitch stream, so no one can see that, Matt Ray. Do you need me to resize your video? Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. I got a... some Minecraft yelling in the background. Is that a curved screen? Yes. <laughs>